Richards Bowie Versus Tillian Is this year when I'm glowy Am I killing? I hope it's not a blowy Or a villain oh, It's time, time for Bowie Versus Tillian Charlie and I like Bowie. I'm Jake and I love Dylan. Today we're diving in. Uh, that was barely a word. Mm. Uh, today we're diving in. <laughs> we're diving in. I was looking for. We're, dave- <laughs> we're diving in. We're diving I'm right in. Dave in. You can <laughs> Dylan in. Uh, to a not that important year for either of our guys. Not at and all. That'll be 1996. Wow. Uh, it's just kind of stuck in the middle there, you know, of the 90s. Yeah. Without yep. the stuff on either side, at least for Bowie. Uh, so I want to remind you all to listen to the podcast and give us five stars on Apple and everything and, you know, support us. And, and with that said, um, that, that, that shill, I just wanted to shill a little Mm. bit there. Uh, then I'm going to send things over to Jake so he can try to shill Dylan in 1996. Well, that was a tremendous plug for Bowie versus Dylan, I just want to say. Uh, I feel like people are literally rushing to their computers to give us... Maybe pause the buggers right now. Yeah, why don't you do that, guys? Do... Hey, in fact, <laughs> if you go give us five stars and then let us know about it uh, via Dylan at gmail.com, we'll shout you out on the podcast. Uh-huh. Go do it right now. We'll say your name on this very important podcast. <laughs> Uh, no emails yet, strangely. I'm not sure I understand how recording works. <laughs> you know, uh, you know how it works. <laughs> <laughs> this is live, baby. All right, Jake, lay down some, some sweet, right. sweet 1996. So, first of all, I want to give a uh, heretofore BVD award for this is Dylan's uh, least doing anything year so far. <laughs> by far. Uh, almost nothing happens. Um, so I had to Except come up- for the, like, the 230 dates he performed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you'll be, you'll be very pleased, um, with my, for, for points, since I don't really have any points, um, I've got, I've got a nice Bob's Bula base for you during the points Ooh, session. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, it's going to be real tasty. You're going to love it. You're going to be very I'm, proud I'm of me. I'm going to fill up on that. You're going to be very proud of me. Uh, in the meantime, let me just tell you, um, the things that Bob Dylan did in 1996, uh, and it will not take long. Here they go. Okay, let's go. Okay, the never-ending tour, still going. Still didn't end. April through November, 84 dates in North America and Europe. He... Oh, 84, that, that doesn't seem like that many for him. Not even over 100? No, <laughs> not even 100. Yeah, he re- not he really even didn't do that year. <laughs> well, he was still in transition, um, as, as you'll remember, 1997 was time out of mind, his big comeback. So, uh, he started, in 1996, he started writing his new songs, new songs, for the first time in five years. This was the longest stretch of his career in which he did not write any new songs. He just, he stopped doing it after, uh, after, uh, the 1990 album that we just talked about that was his worst. Right okay. under the red sky. Now, did he re- he released albums in between though? Did he do like covers? He did. Albums, or he what? did. Do, he did two covers albums. One of which we talked about, which is good as okay. I've been to you, um, and the other one that came out the next year. Uh, so, but those weren't any new songs. There was nothing new okay. on there. So now the next, the final question here is: Has he beaten that record currently? Gosh, or not that's, yet? that's a great question. Let me think about that. Because Tempest was. What did we just? Tempest was twenty twelve. Twenty twelve, and now it's twenty. So he's got it. He's done it then. 
Unless he wrote some new songs in there and put them on something. Oh, sure. I mean, I guess that's possible, but he just didn't write any new songs for five years. Certainly up till that okay. point of his career, that was by far the longest he'd ever gone. Okay. So the only time they might write about it is right now. This is it. Could be living. So he started time. writing some some amazing songs in '96, which would end up on Time Out of Mind. Some of which were out. Maybe that'll happen. Like I'm that. just gonna you know fuel your like your fever mm. dreams. Maybe that maybe that's gonna happen again, Jake. Oh man. Maybe 2019 will be the next Dylan comeback. He's ripe for another comeback. Oh, you know, he, he is. He very much is. The the fervor, the absolute sweaty fervor that greeted his covers <laughs> albums has died down. <laughs> <laughs> People have stopped <laughs> punching each other in the face just to buy them. Because <laughs> really, it's so much more fun to tease you about his cover albums than anything else right now. <laughs> I know. So oh. it really is another one that's even bigger than Triplicate. It would just make, it'd be make his, my whole year, really. It'd be it. It'd make the, at, least, <laughs> at least the next ten episodes of this podcast for me. I don't know what his. I'll I bring up every single one. I don't know what his plans are, but we're, hey, we're so talking about a timer on my phone and just mention it every five minutes. We're talking. Show. <laughs> we're talking about 1996, Chaz. <laughs> in case you forgot, so he can't screw up. So those, you know, well, he's in a really good position right now. Well, I don't know. His record company could just start releasing things left and right for no reason. Well, that's already happening. Right, that's what I'm know, saying. That's Bowie a, can do no harm. Like, he can no, do no wrong. He's just living the dream in the afterlife. <laughs> living the dream if the dream is being dead, which <laughs> the, is not the case for the vast majority of people. The permanent dave we <laughs> call it. Oh, Jake. Oh. Oh. Too soon. Too uh, soon. <laughs> it's only been three years. Here's, <laughs> Too soon. Here's, here's some other things that Bob Dylan did in 1996. Uh, he appeared on a documentary about Richard Pryor called Comic on the Edge. He was one of the talking heads saying how important and incendiary Richard Pryor was, which was all of them. Yeah, so true. Uh, he... Uh, recorded a song for the Feeling Minnesota original soundtrack. Do you remember that movie? No. Nope. I think it had Keanu Reeves and somebody else in it. That's <laughs> all I remember. Did. But it was based in Minnesota, and so they were like, hey, hey, Bob. Hey, can we, can, I'm going to give a plug for Minnesota really quick. Oh, great. Because as the listeners may remember, I live in Minnesota. No. I'm a teacher in Minnesota. Yep. It is mid-April as we record this podcast, <laughs> yes. and I am home for a snow day. Oh, yeah, a major, a big There's one. There's inches and inches of snow outside. Yeah. We have a, we have a snow day. It's the you're middle just, of April. You're all about breaking records this year. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Woo, it's great. daddy. All right, plug for Minnesota over. Okay, so this was a, Bob Dylan's contribution to that soundtrack was a cover of Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire, which is kind of interesting. Oh. So we just threw how'd, that. How'd it turn out? How'd I didn't. Mis- out? I didn't listen to it. <laughs> what, Jake? Come I know. On. I don't know. You know what? Why don't you listen to it? Actually, that I don't sounds. Care about Bob Dylan. That's why. That sounds kind of interesting. I don't know why I didn't. I was just sort of. Dude, that's weird. I was sort of disgusted that he didn't do anything. Are you voting in this? this? No, that's I'm not. I have. Thi- I had. Thi- I did a lot of work, and you'll see in just a minute. Okay. Last thing he did okay. was called. He did a concert as part of the Neverending Tour called, uh, get this, this is very important, the MasterCard Masters of Music concert for the Prince's Trust. (laughs) (laughs) True or false, I looked this up to make sure. Talking about shilling. Here we go. He was shilling for MasterCard and for some prince. I'm not really sure who that was. At the same time. Yeah, this is the MasterCard branded. Uh, True or false, I googled this to find out more about it. Uh, True? Nope, false. I didn't do that. What? You are 
All right, so speaking of phoning it in, Chaz, um, instead of telling you all the things that Bob Dylan did and coming up with some, some, uh, you know, some, some talking points about them and giving you multiple-choice questions and all the garbage that we usually do on this podcast, uh-huh. uh, I'm introducing, because he did nothing, I'm introducing a Stray Thoughts and Questions segment that are thematically related to Bowie versus Dylan. These are Jake, things. The Mastercard Masters of Music concert <laughs> for the Prince Trust was released as a documentary in 1996. Oh, I could have watched. It's a benefit performance, including a staging of Quadrophenia, <laughs> a rock opera by Pete Townsend, based on the British gay complex of the 1960s. Yeah. It yeah. Eric Clapton, Roger Daltrey, uh-huh. Earl Pell, Bob Dylan. Yep. Uh, John Well, that's just, you know. Alanis Morissette. Oh, great. There, <laughs> she was big then. Real big. Gary Glitter. <laughs> Gary Glitter's Gary just Glitter. in there. <laughs> He's like, "Hello, favorite. I'm Gary My Glitter." My favorite super obvious Bowie knockoff. David Gilmore. Uh huh. Of Pink Floyd. And probably some other people. I'm just okay. Jake, you didn't. You just. Yeah, I mean, when okay. I heard the name, right. and, no, I, I mean, and I heard no, Jake, the year. It's okay. I mean, it's okay if you if you don't if you don't care. That's and okay. it's okay. I just realized instantaneously upon hearing about it. It's okay if you don't care about the fans. That that's all right. I mean, because I will make up for your one of these mid nineties. I will make up for it. Benefit concerts. I do care. I featuring do care. over the hill white rockers. I do care. <laughs> perhaps playing and for a prince. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, Alanis Morissette, uh, who is now an over-the-hill white rocker now. Well, sure, but in 1996, she wasn't. Oh, she was real hot she stuff. Was you know, Chaz, relevant. isn't it ironic that she was the oh, only gee. woman <laughs> that was you listed are... on that thing? It's not only the least that Dylan did for a year. It's the least you've done. It's for an almost as as like rain on your wedding day. <laughs> That's not ironic. That's just something that happened. I know. I don't know if she knows You know what? Um, we Isn't it ironic that we're not talking about David Bowie or Bob Dylan right now? But I'm that going is, to. That is kind of ironic, yes. Uh, that is a little bit. That ironic. is a little bit. Not, nice, work, nice work showing that you do indeed know. I do know what irony is, Chaz. Alanis Morissette does not, but that doesn't matter. She's swimming in a swimming pool full of cash right now. Probably. Probably. Hey, can I, can I just throw in a random fun fact about Alanis Morissette? <laughs> no. So you're going to do it anyway. Go <laughs> whatever, ahead. I can't remember what was her, her breakout. So you ought to know. Right? Yeah. Yeah. About, about Dave. About, about the guy from Full House. It's the guy from Full House. It's Uncle <laughs> Joey from Full House. I know. So when next time you hear that song and she's talking about you know going down on a guy in a theater, oh, think of Uncle geez. Joey. Cut it out. <laughs> 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 that was good. Hey, that was a good bit. We didn't practice that, folks. Just want you to know that. We don't practice any of our bits. They That's a good bit. <laughs> That's a real good bit. <laughs> All right. So, without without further ado, here's stray thoughts and questions, uh, uh, tangentially related to Bowie versus Dylan. Um, okay. So this is a question for you. So uh, this is my first question. How often do you have a year, any year, between 1960 and 2019? that you immediately think first and foremost before you think of anything else of what album came out by David Bowie and what our guys were doing then? That, I'm confused by the question. Okay, so let's just say you were, um, you were on the internet and it was like, they were talking about some year. They were like, they yeah. just mentioned 1975. Is your yeah. first thought the album that David Bowie did or didn't put out in 1975? After, yes. Yes, me too. Out of the six, I know, I know. I mean, I know all his albums. I know he's got albums in about half of the years, right? 
little bit less. And yeah, that's the first thing. You're not like, oh, was I alive then? Or what was mom or dad doing? Or anything? Like, who was president? Like, nothing. It's just like, the album just just flashes into your head. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I I have to say that wasn't the case before we started doing this podcast. But now it definitely is. I can't hear any year without thinking what Bob Dylan was doing. Oh, you mean like, I thought you were just talking about like, in this context. I guess it depends no, on the context. I mean, talk- it's still, I think about the lot, especially in the 70s. When I'm talking about best. almost any context. It's like a year. Just think sure. of a year, like 1983. Boom. It's like right there for me. Let's dance. Yeah. 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 Infidels. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, second, second stray thought. This actually is okay. tangentially related to nothing, but I thought you should know. I finally get the band Destroyer. Do you know that band? I don't know if I do. Okay, so I remember in 2015, Pitchfork made uh, their album Kaput, uh, like their second best album of the year, and I'd never heard of Destroyer, and they described it as Yacht Rock, (laughs) and I was like, wait, what? And I listened to it at the time, and I was like, I don't get this. I don't get why this is. Just this year, now I get the band Destroyer, especially their album Poison Season, which I'm kind of obsessed with. So I thought you should know that. Okay. Uh, Number three. Is that... that fold back in somewhere here later on? No, not at all. Oh. That's it. I just wanted you to know that. When I, just... I picture Yacht Rock, I think of Vampire Weekend. Is that Oh. I mean, is that how you would describe things? No. Um, I mean, it's definitely like indie rock. Uh, Kaput has elements, you know, like synthesizers and gated drums and all that stuff. Okay. But when so I think of like an 80s. Yacht yeah. Rock, I'm, you know, I'm thinking like Hall & Oates or... Okay. Like, really bad. Like, Michael McDonald from the Doobie Brothers. Okay. That kind of thing. So, of course, that See, would... I, I, maybe it's just as Vampire Weekend, like, I just have them, like, pegged as, you know, being as, like, rich, you know? Yeah, I think Yacht Rock... Which I don't think is entirely true. I don't think I think, fair, but, technically, you know. Yacht Rock actually has to do... Is supposed to have to do with boats, but the sound ended up, you know, being just, so like, really like, cheesy you know, 80s. Bad, the bad reggae that everybody dabbled in? I don't think 80s, so. Including both of our guys? I don't think so. I think it's more like really, really cheesy 80s. Like island sound? Yeah. Well, no, no. It's not island sound. Just go listen to a Michael McDonald song. Just go do it. <laughs> okay. Well, it's From the 1980s. I mean, why don't you do that? Okay. Here's my next straight thought. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, Bob Dylan, we just learned this week, actually yesterday, or two days ago, Bob Dylan is opening a whiskey distillery and music venue oh, yeah. and a center for the arts and a whiskey library in downtown Nashville in 2020. Um, I can only assume that our opening night passes are in the mail, Chaz. <laughs> we should start a GoFundMe I think for people to, <laughs> to sponsor us to go to the opening night of this. It'll be kids and that need help with cancer and, take a bunch and of us. Pictures, and we could podcast at our table with lots of noise in the background <laughs> while we drink while we drink so much whiskey that the podcast has to... And we just drink until the, the, the podcast can't It'll get, just be on. like clinking glasses for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hey, good whiskey. Yeah, good whiskey. It's good. So, it tastes like Bob. So you think it's, it like is, Bob. is Bob here or what? <laughs> I was open to if he's, if he's there, Bob. we will get an exclusive interview. It may be incredibly short because we get thrown out by security. But we will. It could be, ac- gar- be our guarantee. We will accost him inappropriately. That's our guarantee to you. <laughs> 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 all right, well, I'm so I'm pretty sure that he likes me because I'm not that big of a fan. <clears throat> well, you're not a fan you're, at all. You were going to throw it right out of there, Jay, because you wasted your life on Bob Dylan. I'm just, I'm still hoping. I have, I have not, so therefore I'm allowed to talk to. I'm him. still hoping that I'm in the middle ground of people that aren't too obsessed, but but get it. Jay, I get it, Jay. I get will it. Host a Bob Dylan themed uh-huh. podcast. Yeah, 
Yeah. You're, you're gone. You're so, done. It's so? over. What do you mean? Okay. Uh, here's my question about Bob Dylan's whiskey distillery. I know you're going to like this. Are uh, we, are we headed toward a reality in which Dylan shuffles sadly around his restaurant like Rocky and Rocky Six, Creed One, and Creed Two? I can only hope. He's estranged from his family. He's having to distractingly regale his customers with good old days stories about that one time he sang Blowing in the Wind to the Pope. Uh, and they're all like, the, Judas story. the only reason that the customers come there, you know, when they come, because it's kind of a lo- lower middle class establishment, uh, is to just like make Rocky tell that story about how he beat, he beat um, Creed. And uh-huh. so I'm just wondering if Bob is going to give up and just sort of sadly shuffle around his restaurant. He needs a couple more uh, half-baked cover albums before he can get to that point. Well, he's not... They're on their way. Hope, hope, <laughs> hope turn, he's had too many comebacks. I don't think Dylan can ever you know, have, have that life. <laughs> he well, can never fade into obscurity now. It's no, too, it's especially, too since, especially since he's been so obscure, people would be... If he, if he hadn't had... If he was just wandering so around... Comebacks, you know, if he had like, if it had been 1975 and he, that was it, and he never came back again after that, yeah, then maybe, then maybe he would have had enough decades of, of I think bad will. I think to, to the make more, happen. but I, I don't think he can do it anymore. I think the more likely scenario. Now, speaking of 1996 here, the more likely scenario for that reality would have been, you know, the 80s were terrible, and he never gave come back from the 80s. And then he's like, well, I got I to gotta get my mojo back. I'm going to open up a whiskey library in Nashville. <laughs> what, and then, can we ask what a whiskey library is? Okay, so that's, <laughs> that's a, a big, huge shelf with, like, all the whiskey you can imagine on it. And they have, uh, like, a ladder, like, in a library. And you're okay. like, um, I'm looking for something smoky and peaty from Ireland in 1972 uh-huh. or whatever in this the sommelier, the whiskey sommelier goes and gets you this whiskey, and it costs like 75 bucks a shot. That's what that is. Okay. That sounds like a, you know, a good way to make some money after you've not come back. Exactly. Exactly. But he, did, but he did come back. So, alas, maybe, maybe this reality... Yeah, but, he's, but we're just saying, he's ripe, he's ripe for another comeback. All right. Now, this is a bonus tangent related to Rocky. Well, why is Rocky lower middle class in the later, later movies? Why is he, like... Polly loses all his money, right? No. Okay, so he he lost all his money in Rocky Five, but then like, who's his agent? Why isn't he doing every commercial in the world? He's he's <laughs> one of the four he's most. Al- he's obviously not above this kind of thing. Yeah, but he seems like he, he, he seems. Have, listen, he's, he's not like he doesn't like huge principles stopping him from doing you know like shilling whiskey. No, and he seems depressed about his station in life. I mean, Adrian's uh-huh. gone. <laughs> he can't even afford his house in like suburban Philly. You know. Like who, who's his agent? You know who? He's one of the four. I know, but Polly is gone. They don't even acknowledge Polly anymore in the movies. Uh, Why not? He's one of the four was, most the famous breakout, fighters. Was the breakout star, Jake. In the show, Polly Rock. No, that was that was his. Uh, anyway, uh, I just I feel that bad. Was Meredith Burgess. I feel bad for Rocky and Mickey. It was Mickey. Yeah, Mickey Rock. You're nothing but a bum. <laughs> Played by Burgess Meredith or Meredith Burgess. I can't remember which na- way his name goes. Rocky. Who also was Penguin in the 1960s Batman. Who also was like the even older guy in, uh, what was the Minnesota movie where the two old guys fight? Uh, Grumpy Old Man. Yeah, he was the... He and was, also, also Grumpy Old Man. Yeah, he was the super, he was the dad of one of them. When he was super old. <laughs> 
Wow, we are not even pretending that we're talking about music right now. I know. I told you it was very, very tangentially related. All right, here's my last question. Here's okay. my last question. Um, let's just do. Let's just play a quick game. How many years do you think Bob Dylan will live? I was thinking about this. He's 79 on May 24th oh, this 79, year. 79, man. So, I mean, if he lives to 100, we've got another 21 years of Bob Dylan. Sweet, sweet 21 years. Of, of and I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, he had a hard life, but he's he's not uh, he's not senile or anything yet. He's right. he's still touring 100 dates every single year. That's and doesn't seem any worse to wear for it. Yeah. No, he certainly doesn't. In fact, it might I mean, be keeping him. It might be keeping him going in some way. Maybe that's the secret to eternal youth. So honestly, like think about it for just a second. How old do you think Bob Dylan will be when he when he passes on? I don't know. I feel like I would need like a family, you know, medical history on this one to make an informed decision. Are you sure? I mean, I feel like he's past that already. Uh, I'm he's guessing ten years. Ten years. You give him ten. I think he's going to so be, be eighty-nine. Eighty-nine. That's a good guess. I'm going to say hundred and twenty-two. <laughs> just to be safe. <laughs> He'll be the breaking world's the oldest previous, Breaking man. the previous record and becoming the world's <laughs> oldest person. Yeah, and he's still just doling out whiskey shots at that place in Nashville. And doing Frank Sinatra covers. He'll be start doing covers of his own Sinatra covers by that time. <laughs> he will run out of Sinatra songs. He'll just cover them again. He'll just start doing Vampire Weekend covers exclusively. <laughs> so that, that I would pay to see. That would be amazing. <laughs> Uh, Chaz, that's it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna that's actually. Wow. Okay, so my real, my real answer is, I think he makes it to 95. 95. I think we have okay. 16 more years of Bob Dylan somehow. <laughs> Jeez, that's crazy, right? Man, now you're just I'm feeling sad now for for Bowie, and I don't have 16 more years of whatever the heck he would do with it. I know. Time, I mean, you know? it could have been, know? it could have been bad. It could have been good. I mean, it really. Well, I mean, it, and there's, there's always, you know, the, that because it's his best. He released his best album, and you know. I know. years. But uh, it was because he was dying. Oh, it was. It certainly was. So who you know, knows? He probably wouldn't. He probably released a solid, you know, stately, yeah. good album. But not stately. amazing, great album like he did. I'm just, I'm just hoping that Bob Dylan has it in him to do, you know, anything, anything close to the, the death record that Bowie was able to. Oh, man. Nobody Maybe, does, you know? I don't know. Leonard, Leonard Cohen came, came close the same year, but... Not to the I don't degree. think there will ever. I don't think there'll ever be another death record like like Blackstar. It's really hard. It's really hard to imagine. But you know. I mean, you got you got to time it so carefully. You know, he died two days after it was released. Like you know. Well, that's that's that's, tough that's intense. It's <laughs> intense, man. <laughs> all right. Well. All right. Go on. Bob Dylan. Go on. And, and David Bowie. I'm yeah. gonna talk about David Bowie. All right. Do it. Okay. If you must. So we're gonna actually get into 1996. Bowie didn't do a lot in '96, but he obviously did more than Dylan. Yeah, it's almost talk about. That involves 1996, and I have some multiple choice questions coming up later mm. on, and they're ridiculous, and you're going to enjoy them. I cannot but wait. But first, let me lay the groundwork for 1996. It is a transition year, smack dab between 1995, which was dominated by the album Outside, okay. and 1997, which is dominated by the album Earthling. Mm. They're both total 90s electronica albums. Um, Bowie was accused a lot of chasing trends, but they're also both quite solid albums. They're, I, these are both albums that I occasionally throw on and just listen to. Like, they're good enough to do that. So, Great. nothing Love against it. anyone. Outside, in particular, is usually seen as one of his best later period albums. Okay. Um, so, Outside is more of, like, an industrial. Um, he toured with Nine Inch Nails in late 1995. Yes, I remember Nine Inch that. Nails opened for him. I remember And then that. they had a little, like, segue period between their sets in which they would perform together a few Ooh. songs. It's like Bowie 
things hurt. The nine-inch the nine inch Bowies, they called them. Nine-inch Bowies, that's right. <laughs> and the audience was confused and angry about it. Oh, that's weird. And, uh, I don't like hearing that. It, it was like a weird, just, I mean, you could picture, like, Nine Inch Nails audience and 1995 Bowie I guess so. audience in the same place at the same time. Yeah, okay. It was right. confusing. No one really knew what was going on. It, it was just strange. makes so much sense now. It was now. a strange thing. In retrospect, yes. Okay. But it didn't at the time. All right, fair. So, there you go. Uh, so he was touring off of this, and that tour extended well into 1996. So I'm talking more about the tour and this, because 1995 will be a busy enough year. So yeah, he's not touring with Nine Inch Nails anymore in 96. I think okay. Morrissey opened some dates until Morrissey flaked out or something. And he's there's always a big, flaking. I know, there's a he big always like, rivalry or something with them that I don't know anything about yet. But oh, who cares? As long as it's a big thing. <laughs> so the big thing about Bowie in 1990, which we just talked about recently, um, officially retired his hits. This was a big thing. Right. Tyrese hits. Not that he was never going to play old songs anymore. But he wasn't going to play the big giant hits anymore. Uh, he mostly did that, but some big giant hits snuck in anyway. <laughs> so he As still played must. Under Pressure, which was a big giant hit, and yeah. Heroes. I've never heard of and either. And Diamond of those Dogs. Songs. I've never heard of any Diamond of those. Diamond Dogs songs. Was, was just, it wasn't a big giant hit, just a, just a big hit. Just, just a big one. But only three hits out of all of that, and most of what he's playing was off of his, you know, off of outside. And he played not a single song from the 1980s on the entire tour. Not one. Not one. Not modern not. Oh, love, so not let's except, dance. Except for, except for Under Pressure in 1981. Oh, right, right, right. But I was thinking, like, nothing from Let's Dance or Tonight or Never Let Me Down. Yeah. Um, he also did some very, he revamped some songs in very strange and wonderful ways, including the song Andy Warhol. And The Man Who Sold the World got some, you know, some cred off of uh, Nirvana performing at their Unplugged set, naturally. Absolutely. And everyone... And everyone's like, wait, I don't remember that David Bowie song. What are you talking about? Um, so he like completely revamped that one and did that one different. And re-recorded, recorded a new uh, studio version that was a B-side for something or other. Oh. He also was throwing Lust for Life by E-Pop, which oh, Bowie actually great, mostly wrote. That's a great song. But that one was heavily revamped in a very bad way. <coughs> that's too bad. Yeah. <clears throat> but it was a good, it was, it was a good, it was like really well-respected. People really liked to work, like, at least in retrospect. Way to Bowie. I'm just saying. Way to Bowie. So, Jake, coming up here with our first multiple choice Yes, question. I'm so prepared. Now, Bowie's out there, you know, he's wearing leather pants and stuff. Mm. He's, he's industrializing, but... Gothic. Gothic, but also, you know, he's got his own, like, takes and everything. So, Jake. Yeah. Your first multiple choice question. I'm ready. Which fashion accoutrement normally associated with pirates <laughs> did Bowie... <laughs> Not wear in Oh, not wear? Oh, no. Okay. Which one of these did he not wear All right. All right, I'm ready. A, a puffy shirt. Okay, I know he did that. B, a distressed frock coat. A distressed frock coat. Okay. C, a large gaudy earring. Okay. Or D, an eye patch. Oh, man. Uh, I want to say distressed frock coat. Oh, incorrect. He okay, was, it, was, it, an was it an eye patch? It was an eye patch. He okay. An eye patch I thought you said that he wore an eye Oh, that was back in the day, wasn't it? Back in the day. Oh, you tricked me. I know, I did. You're always <sighs> tricking me. Now, he wore the eye patch supposedly because of, you know, his wonky eye. Yeah, it was to look cool for the ladies. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he wore it at the very end of the Ziggy period, like in Diamond Dogs. Do you like think he transition. kept? Do you think he kept all his coke like under the eye patch and had a straw? 
I'm just like, <laughs> it was just like getting into his tear ducts. Yeah, probably, yeah, he's just probably the way to take cocaine. He's just blinking. Assume. He's just blinking cocaine <laughs> into his brain. But frat coats, Jake, man, that guy loves. Uh, yeah, I know you're right. I just. I, I, and this is kind of like the start. It was like 95, 96, he started bringing out the frog coats. In 97, I don't think he ever took a frog coat off. It was, it was wall to wall. Do you think, he had, do you think he had a special silken frock coat for bed? I have to assume. Like a pajama I mean, frock coat. to be fair, but you know. I guess you're right. Yeah, there's just that Glastonbury 2000 concert yeah. that just came out last year. Yeah. He's wearing a frock coat in that. Oh, yeah. He didn't really like stop wearing frock coats until the 2003 2004 tour, and then they kind of came were coming back around the Black Star period. So he loved his frock coats. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, uh, when can I start wearing frock coats again?" <laughs> and the puffy shirts. The puffy shirts started. Yeah, in the puffy shirts. They were, still, they were still rolling. I can see the puffy shirt in my mind right now. Mm. Mm. The frock coat like made a little more sense because you know like. You can think of pictures of those industrial guys wearing like these black you know, oh, yeah. trench coats. Yeah, like, and so uh, it wasn't that far away from that what he was wearing. Like the Matrix was just chock full of frock. Oh coats. yeah, oh yeah, like Matrix style for sure, for yeah. sure, Jake. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so that's the end of our thoughts on that. Okay, um, I'm gonna give you another uh, multiple choice question. Right now, I'm ready. No, okay. The, I mean, I'm talking about a song from a movie. There's some debate over whether the song, like I, multiple, some sources said that the song was released in '95. Uh-huh. Um, some said it was released in '96. Oh, controversy! I just, I just don't care. I decided to do it in '96 because it really doesn't really matter. Okay. Um, but the movie it's from was definitely released in 1995. Okay. Does that all make sense? Uh, yep. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I think so. Which terrible 1995 film did Bowie provide an original song for? Okay. 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 Number one. Top Dog, starring Chuck Norris. <laughs> Whoa. You seen, that one, you seen that one? A uh, couple times. Okay. Number two, Johnny Mnemonic, starring Keanu uh, Reeves. Okay, I remember also that. Also the Matrix fan. I remember that movie. Pre-Matrix. Number three, Showgirls, starring Elizabeth Berkley. Okay. Number four, The Jerky Boys, the movie, <laughs> starring The Jerky Boys. Okay, so is the question which one he did? Or, or, oh, sorry. Which one did he do? Okay. Or number five, uh, and I believe this features your favorite actor of all time, Jacob, if I'm around correctly. Uh, number five nice. is Jury Duty, starring Polly Shore. Sylvester Stallone. Hey, oh. buddy. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't think we've ever. I was. I was looking to fill up this list, and I'm looking at this. Can't believe it. IMDb of the worst movies, the worst rated movies from 1996, (laughs) and the one he actually did is on there. And I saw Polly Shore, and I just, I, I just, I just made my day. Yeah, just perked up a little bit. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure since '96, which we lived together at that point, (laughs) we have never seen each other in person without doing. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Ironically, every single time. It's, it's been, literally it's ironic. It's ironic. literally every single We're time. Too cool. <laughs> Probably sure. Well, maybe it doesn't. I, my favorite part was when we got your son to do it. Now, it's part of the uh, also. part of the appeal is you do this little hand, this little handshake motion <laughs> thing, <laughs> where you like bump your fingers together and then you like. I wonder what Polly Shore is doing right now. Where you know, is that guy? What's I don't he know. Doing? He's made several disgusting comebacks that didn't work. <laughs> Uh, but I, yeah, you're right. I haven't heard. Well, he I, made I that movie like, oh, 
was it? Polly Shore is dead, or who killed Polly Shore? Or something. Yeah, it was I like think... a mockumentary about his own death. But it was so which awful. sounds kind of awesome. I didn't see it. No, it was awful. I, I think I don't think I've think... seen any of his movies since somewhere around 1996, and probably only saw about two of them to begin with. Uh, I mean, but that... It, that 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 whole like mockumentary about his own death sounds kind of fascinating to me. I like that idea. Maybe he didn't pull it off in the slightest, I but I, I, I like that idea. I seem to remember watching part of that movie and being disgusted by it. You're avoiding the issue, Jacob. No, that's incredibly well, important multimedia. Multi, that's because I that's choice, because I know multi, the I know the answer. And you gave it away you on, do. A, on a previous spot. You gave it away on a previous spot. I did. Yeah. Oh, sorry, it's Showgirls. It is Showgirls. You're yeah. right about that. Remember, I talked about uh, Joe Esterhaus and Richard Markhand for that terrible movie that Bob Dylan was in, and uh, yeah, I, I had a multiple that. choice question that included Showgirls. Oh. I don't. Uh, okay. Chaz, do I need to bring well, somebody will, else in on this out. podcast? You don't What's listen that? to me. You don't listen to me. No, I'm not listening to you. Can we kind of keep talking about me and my interests now, please? Yes, fine. <laughs> I will point out that the, the song was originally supposed to appear in Johnny Mnemonic. Oh. But it didn't make the cut or something, and it ended up in Showgirls instead. If I didn't know better... Both of them if made, I didn't, up, made if, it into the bottom there. If I didn't know better, I definitely would have chosen Johnny Mnemonic. That sounds like a perfect marriage of cheese in 1995. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will point out that the song in question... Was the original version of "I'm Afraid of Americans"? Oh, really? One of his one of his biggest best songs from the '90s. And it's terrible. Well, no, the song's good. Oh, the song's good. The oh, I thought you said it was terrible. bad. The movie was bad. Okay. No, 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 the movie's terrible. Well, yeah, I think it was on purpose. The song's good. Okay. So this original version's got alternate lyrics. Um, instead of "Afraid of Americans," it's "I'm Afraid of the uh, I'm Afraid of the Animals." I'm afraid of the animals. Yeah. I'm afraid of the world. Yeah. I think instead I'm, of he's you know, he's singing about Johnny, instead he's about of Johnny, he's singing about Dummy. Dummy, I like that. So song. it's still good. It's not as good as the uh, the re-recorded version for Earthling, which is no. '97, but it's song. still what we're listening to. And I'm I, uh, afraid of probably, American. I'm never having seen Showgirls or any of the movies on this list, actually, I'm going to say that uh, the song is the best part of all five of them combined. I would make that decision. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I saw Jerry do. It's possible I saw. Jerry I don't know with you back in the day but I don't think so I mean I, I saw Encino Man for sure well that's all you have to see that's it <laughs> that might be the only Polly Shore movie I've ever seen Biodome oh, you and, never uh, saw Biodome he's, he's in uh, that the, uh, oh shoot that Goofy movie the Goof, goof Troop movie <laughs> he's in the Goof Troop do you remember that uh, no no maybe hey did you see Goof Troop Polly Shore plays, goof a <laughs> plays a friend in there if I remember right well that's great Way to go! Way to go! Cast with Polly. I hope Polly Shore is listening to the podcast right now. Hey Polly, we love hey, you, Polly. Polly. We love Polly. you, Polly. Polly, Polly. <laughs> hey, Polly. Always be true. Polly, we love you. <laughs> All right. Speaking of bad movies, let's talk about a movie that was not bad. That oh. was actually quite good. Great. And that was a movie that David Bowie was in in 1996. Come Basque. Basque. It's about. It's a biopic of the uh, 1980s artist, visual artist, Jean-Michel Basquiat. Oh, yeah. I yeah. semi-remember that, I think. Yeah, he is a, I mean, he was a big deal in the 80s. He's one of those guys like that just yeah. artistically, like Keith Haring, you know, one of those type of guys that just owned the 80s. Yeah. It was really important that he died in 1988 at the age of 27. Oof, there was the a musician, 27 but he's, club. He's in the 27 club. Yeah, overdosed on... Uh, combo of coke and heroin, I believe. 
And so there's that, you know, different tragic element. Um, so they made this biopic. It features, there's all kinds of great people in it. Jeffrey Wright, Wright as a much thinner than I've ever seen him before, plays the title role. Vicio mm-hmm. Del Toro's in it. Dennis mm. Hopper. Gary Oldman. Courtney Love. Ooh, Parker up. Posey. Christopher Walken. Willem Dafoe. Sam Rockwell. And some other people I've never heard of. Dang. That's pretty stacked but cast. That's like a, it's a, yeah, that's a it's boss cast right it's there. loaded. Um, I should say this going in that I've only watched half of the movie. Uh, my wife and I rented it with the intention of watching the whole thing, and then my kids woke up from their sleep screaming in the middle of it. And so we couldn't finish it that night, and then the next night, they started screaming before we got to start watching it. <laughs> so we didn't get to watch it that night, and the night after that, I think we went to bed early because there had been so much kids screaming, and that brings us to today. Hey, here we are. So, here there's still are. time. I think it's still there. I think we can still finish watching it, and I had to because it was quite good. Don't worry. So we watched the first half. Your kids are screaming Probably. somewhere is in it and plays a really interesting role. He plays none other than Andy Warhol. No way. What? Yeah, he does. Hmm. He does. Way to go. He had some personal experience with that guy. Yeah, yeah. He met Andy Warhol more than once. The first time, apparently, was really awkward and awful. Anyway, also notably, he actually wore Warhol's clothing and wig. What? The it was like act- he got him from the Warhol Museum or whatever, and oh, they, they let him use it. He wore actual clothing and an actual wig. That's weird. Which is also kind of cool. Way to go, man. Um, also, notably, Bowie's really good at it. Like yeah. here, The thing is, Bowie on, on screen, he's not a super versatile actor. Like, he doesn't, you know, do a, lo- a wide variety of parts. You know, he's best, like, in these, you know, more alienated roles. But he does, I mean, he has some difference. But I feel like this is, like, seeing him act, you know, this is the one where I, I saw him as the most different of the characters. He just didn't even feel like himself. He felt like so he was easy to, like, forget he was Bowie and just see him as Warhol. Uh, again, he's not, Warhol isn't in the first half that I've seen very much, but I found a bunch of clips online to supplement that. And he's okay. just, he's really good. And the, right. the, uh, the universal praise, I looked at a bunch of reviews, and everyone talks about how good he is, which I agree wholeheartedly. Okay. So I would say it's one of his best performances. Um, I also have a little quote from Bowie about playing Warhol in Basquiat that I'm, I'm going to just read out to you here, Jane. So this is him talking about meeting Warhol. Mm. So, I met him a couple times, but we seldom shared more than platitudes. The first time we saw each other, an awkward silence fell, until he remarked in my bright yellow sh- shoes and started talking enthusiastically. He wanted to be very superficial, and seemingly emotionless, indifferent, just like a dead fish. Lou Reed described it most profoundly when he once told me they should bring a doll of Andy on the market, a doll that you wind it up and doesn't do anything. <laughs> but I managed to observe them well, and that was a helping hand for the film. We borrowed his clothes from the museum in Pittsburgh, and they were intact, unwashed. Even the pockets weren't empty. They contained pancakes, white, deadly pale, fond de ton, which Andy always smeared on his face. What? A check torn in pieces, someone's address, lots of homeopathic pills and a wig. Andy always wore those silver wigs, but he never admitted it, it was, admitted it were wigs. One of his hairdressers has told me lately that, they, that he had his wigs regularly cut like it was real hair. Ugh. When the wig was trimmed, he put on another next month as if his hair had grown. Oh. <laughs> Uh, so there's like interesting stuff about that's Bowie interesting. and Andy Warhol. I'll come back into one. So, Andy Warhol is a fascinating guy. Yeah, I, I would. One, I, I used to be an art teacher years back, so I was more familiar with him. And I read one of his because he wrote multiple books, and I read one of his books, and it was like really interesting. It was a really good read. I forget what it was called A to Z and back again or something like that. I forget. But uh, one of his interesting ideas, he was talking about uh, how he liked Coke, and not just because he liked the flavor, but he liked how it brought like this it was like a level or the playing field of you know like no amount of money can get you better coke 
Uh-huh. You know, you can't be a Coke snob. Like, you know, you can get better wine, you can get better clothes, you can get better all the other yeah. There's no luxury Coke. As I said, it's like, you know, the bum on the sidewalk is, is drinking Coke. It's the same exact Coke that Elizabeth Taylor is drinking or, you know, uh-huh. President Kennedy. And he thought that was great. I thought that was kind of an interesting idea. I thought you were talking about the uh, the drug for a minute there, but I got it. Oh, no. I got it. No. I think I don't think Warhol did any drugs. I think he was terrified of drugs. Yeah, I think I've heard that he about was, him. I think I've heard that about him. He was an interesting fellow. What a weirdo. <laughs> he was a well, he was total weirdo. He's so weird. <laughs> he might be the for prototypical sure. weirdo. Of oh, our yeah, time. well. If not Bowie, then yeah, Andy Warhol. Why not? Andy Warhol's weirder than Bowie. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, yeah, deep down, yes, he's definitely weirder. For sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right, and I—I I don't have a lot. This is gonna be like a short episode, Jay. No, we're fine. I got—I got a real nice thing for you in the points section. <laughs> okay, good, good. Yeah, yeah. Don't so worry. So I'm it. finishing up with the year in the hair. Yes. So, like I was saying, this is kind of a transition year. You can see, like, he finished starts the year by finishing off the outside tour okay. of '95. Then takes a little break, and he does a bunch of uh, festival shows over the summer. And he's obviously like transitioning over to Earthling, which was released in really early '97. Okay. So. um the outside hair is slightly different than the earthling hair, but <laughs> we're going to go with earthling hair because I, I like it more. All right, great. Uh, it's characterized there by... There you go, pumping up his score again. What's that? There you go, pumping up his score again. <laughs> oh, pumping yeah. up the urine hair score. I know, I so see the you. The urine hair score, uh, he's got sideburns yeah. for maybe the only time in his career. It's very spiky. Oh, spiky. It's dyed like, you know, a kind of unnatural orangey color, kind of a carrot color. Yep. And Jake, he has a soul patch. Oh, does he ever? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I know that look. That's tasty. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, That's you real remember that look. T- Oh, I do. Oh yeah, I do. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, soul patch. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I uh, give it a two and a half. Okay, <laughs> great. Let's keep going. Two and a half. Let's let's keep this positive streak going for year and hair. <laughs> <laughs> Way worse haircuts than this one, even with the soul patch. He's had it so much worse than this. Oh man, he's had it better than too. It's probably in this top half. Let's be honest. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, what isn't in his top half? Is there a bottom half? I'm not sure. It's all bottom half, Jake. Oh, so this this is the only one in the top half, is what you're saying? <laughs> well, I know it's when he gets normal and just you know has like a normal middle aged man haircut. Is when he gets in that he gets he goes up a little bit. Yeah, I'm that, just... and the, that and the thin white duke. I like. I dig the thin white dude. Yeah, I'm glad his hair, his hair is good. I'm glad that his hair is crazy. Throughout the years. Throughout the years. Yeah, I think you have a little Stockholm syndrome with his hair. I mean, spiky orange hair with a soul patch, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I it's, love that. This is all. This is I love all that fun. look, I it, man. I gave it a two and a half. Jake. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's like a you know that's a five this out of ten. This is a five star hair over here, all right? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Oh man! And this is a scale based on him and him alone. If you, <laughs> this isn't glass spider hair. We had the worst mullet ever carved into someone's head. I don't want you to lie to the audience, Chaz. Are you wearing that hairstyle right now? Uh, uh no, no, no. Wait, is that? Would you? Would you like that if I was? Well, would if you, you had the soul patch, then yes. For sure. Then, then maybe. Then yeah, it's, yeah, it's a possibility. Maybe, yeah. It's a possibility. <laughs> oh man. Oh. All right, yes, with some points, Jake. Okay. All right. We know we toured. <clears throat> That's all we know. 
All right, all he did was tour. Um, he was trying out some of his newer songs on his uh, on his tour, and I, I listened to a couple of those, and they sound pretty good. So I'm going to give it a plus point five. Hey, and that's please. all the points that he gets for the year. Yeah. But I have a very special Bob's Bula base for you. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought you had something else to put into the points. I do. No, no I, it's, it's only something to talk about, so I didn't dominate okay. the entire okay. podcast. All right. Um, so here's Bob's Bula base. I'm going to play the song right now. Jake wanted to call it Dude Dillion Jams, but Chad spat right in his face. So instead we describe Bob's early years in a segment called Bob's Bula Bays. Quick break to tell you about today's sponsor. It's a new wine from Dylan. It's called Bob's Boujolet. Now on to Bob's Bula Bays. Okay. Chaz, you'll be that's, per- a t- that's a tasty track right there. <laughs> Thanks, man. I just want you to know that. Thank you. Even though you couldn't hear it just now, that was fine. It's, it's filling, it's meaty, it's delicious. <laughs> it's a whole bula base unto itself. I, I, I'm going to go back for seconds, not be too full for thirds, okay? All right, you're going to be proud of me, Chaz. I did some never-ending tour work for this podcast. Oh, oh! Now, I didn't get into, like, what the shows, what shows were the best. Go and... Okay. What years were the best? What lineups were the best? You know, all that stuff. This is the... You talked about one day maybe being a big enough nerd to properly appreciate the Endeavor Ending Tour. Yes. And all its iterations. This is this is the first step, because this is okay. the very special Never Ending Tour stats episode, Jazz. Okay. I have all some right. incredible stats for you. This is a huge... Lay it on me. <clears throat> I thought maybe I'd have to go do a lot of digging, but I didn't. Um, but this <laughs> Good, because you totally phoned it in this episode. This is so. a huge, why don't you shut up? <laughs> that would have been too much work for you. This is apparently. a huge shout-out to not Chaz, but also mostly to a website called setlist.fm. It is a okay. concert tracking website, and they literally get up to date with, uh, with you know, stats on set lists and stats on how many concerts there are and stuff, like the night of the concert. Which is kind of crazy. So, here's what they have. Going there right now to peruse it later on. From 1988, when the never-ending tour, so-called, started, up until the present day, because Bob Dylan, believe it or not, is on tour right now. (laughs) I believe it. I did go and do this last week, so this is probably outdated by two or three concerts at this point. Uh, But who can keep track, except for setlist.fm. There have been they're the, only, they're the only ones. There have been two thousand nine hundred sixty shows in the Never Ending Tour. Two thousand nine hundred sixty. This shows. is approaching three thousand concerts in the last just, thirty this is years. Just in the Never Ending Tour. Yes, in the last thirty years. I'm gonna point out. I just looked up David Bowie quickly on Celis. That is more than double all of the shows he ever did. There you go. That's like they have. He's got like thirteen hundred. Ever in his entire career. There you go. So even if you, an even if you count this year, which obviously isn't over yet, and he's touring right now, that is an average of ninety five point four eight concerts per year, including this year. Which Jeez. so he's going to get that up to probably ninety seven or ninety eight by the end of the year. Ninety six concerts per year for the last thirty one. He's doing, he's doing two a week. For, yeah. you know, 30 years. He's doing two a week for 30, 31 now. 31. He's in his 31st year. Uh, okay, so he's played 2,297 shows in the USA, 205 in the UK, 
that's the second place. So I guess the vast, vast majority of the shows were USA. I didn't, I didn't really yeah. realize that. Yeah, it's not even close. Wow. Uh, Canada's 174, Germany 163, Australia 108. He has played more shows in this in the last 30 years than Bruce Springsteen, The Rolling Stones, U2, and Paul McCartney combined. Wow. Wow. And those are all like heavy touring, big concert uh, yeah. style people. That's crazy. All right, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make the next ones into a multiple choice for you. Okay. I'm not going to make you list the songs that he has played the most. He has played 3,682 unique songs during different songs. What? 3,000 3, unique songs? 3,682 unique different songs. Jeez. Now, I think that that might include like some medleys of traditional songs and stuff like that that maybe he played full versions of that other... <laughs> Thank the you, number Chaz. is impressive anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, even if you knock that down by like 200 or something to make way for all the medleys or whatever. Okay, uh, so I'm going to give you the top five songs that he has played in concert. And I want you to tell me which one he's played the most. All right, here's the list. Blowing in the Wind, Highway 61 Revisited, Tangled Up in Blue, Like a Rolling Stone, and All Along the Watchtower. All are which are very so, obvious, but which one has he played right. the most in the last... They all came out before 1988, so you don't have to think about that too hard. Uh-huh. Uh, like a Rolling Stone. Okay, that was no, that was the second place. He's played Like a okay. Rolling Stone 1,975 times. Jeez. He's played, <laughs> he's played all along the Watchtower an incredible 2,223 times in the last 30 years. So that's the great majority of the shows. Yes. So he's played. So if you're going to see Bob, you can you can assume pretty safely that uh, yeah. all along the watchtowers will be making an yeah. appearance. Uh, close third is Highway 61 Revisited with 1,962. Then uh-huh. ta- Tangled Up in Blue, which is just over 1,700, and Blown in the Wind, which is just over 1,500 times. I thought he hated Blowing in the Wind. No, I kind of hate Blowing in the Wind. I think he. Oh, like, maybe I was mixing he, you up with, with he, Bob Dylan. He's vacillated. You're I am now Bob Dylan. He's vacillated uh, between loving his older songs and not loving them and playing them, but obviously uh-huh. he's played them. Even if he hated doing it, he's played them <laughs> literally thousands of times. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Can you imagine doing one thing 2,223 times over and over again? I mean, the next step, Jake, is to figure out like how many days of his life he's spent just on the never-ending tour playing that one song. I don't know. I mean... That one's not as long. Yeah, like, for average average length of the song. Oh, this is know. good, Chaz. I like this. Divide it out by hours. You know, figure it figure it out. Just get a just kind of get an average of how many literal days of his life he has played. Uh huh. Has been spent without doing sleeping. nothing but playing. All I think. The watch show. I think like a Rolling Stone would beat it because it's a much longer song. Oh well. So there you go. Okay, he has played. Uh, I'll give you another a quick multiple choice here. Which album has he played the most songs from? Or the most times. Not the most songs, but the most times. Highway 61 Revisited, Freewheelin' Bob Dylan, Covers, any covers, uh, Bringing It All Back Home, or Blonde on Blonde? Highway 61. Good. Uh, He's played songs from that album 6,363 times. <laughs> uh, this is the this is the meatiest Bob's bullet base. I know. Well, it's just, I'm really enjoying these random facts. It's, it's just, very full of good meat. one, Jake. It's good very one. full of meat, is what it is. Um, 
he's played 4,895 covers. He's played songs from the Free Wheelin' Bob Dylan 4,496 times, from Bringing It All Back Home 4,495 times, and Blonde on Blonde just over 4,000 times. Dang. Dang. <laughs> Dang, Bob. Yeah. Oh, and uh, also the least amount from actual albums. Uh, you'll be you'll be shocked to know that Knocked Out Loaded, he's only played songs from there 14 times in the last 30 <laughs> One years and from but our still dusted that guy off fourteen times. Fourteen times, including like if you'll remember two, years. two times. Every two years he's like, eh, do another again. He's like, yeah. And then uh we'll do if, loaded, whatever you guys if you if you'll remember, um, on the tour that was supposed to be supporting Knocked Out Loaded, he played songs from there twice. So we got a knock <laughs> we got a knockoff too. So it's basically been twelve in the last Oh, actually that wasn't part of the never ending tour when he did that. Never mind. Yeah, he's thought about Knocked Out Loaded 14 times in the last 31 years. <laughs> and the least amount from an actual album was uh, he's played eight songs from Self-Portrait. Okay. Which I don't even know which ones those would be. I guess I... What about another Self-Portrait? How many songs from that, Jake? I'm just wondering. Ask <clears> for a friend. Um, that's nine million times. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we could do some simple math on that question that you asked really, really easily. Why don't you, while I'm telling you some other things, yeah. why don't you put in the number, get your calculator up. Okay, hold on, calculating. Okay. Just a second. Put in the number 1,975. 1,975 times 300. What's the 300 representing here? That's the seconds that the song plays. Okay. Why don't we just do minutes? I don't know. Do minutes, then. <laughs> Wait, what? This is exciting. 1, this, is, this is exciting <laughs> podcast material. <laughs> 75. <laughs> uh, do five minutes. That's you, five, yeah. Because otherwise the first step would have been to reduce it to minutes. <laughs> Thanks for that. All right. Talk some more. I'm going to crunch some numbers. Why don't you crunch those numbers? Long. All right. Actually, why don't you just wait? Because here. Okay, hit me. All right, we are at. He has spent uh, six and three quarters days. Okay. <laughs> playing that song just on the Never Ending Tour. Six. That's like. That's go- not however long he spent playing it before the Never Ending Tour started in 1988, which was, you know, 22 years after the song originally came That's out. That's almost literally like when you go on iTunes and you're like, how much music do I have? I have 31 days of music. If uh-huh. I, I mean, that's like a. Uh, that's just incredible. That's an incredible uh-huh. number. And that's just one of the songs. That's not even the most he played. Okay, anyway. Uh-uh. All right. Let's let's almost seven days. Let's hit you with some stats about uh, how many times he's played a cover song. Okay, because he's he's hit known, he's known for stats. his covers in concert, um, not necessarily. Come on, buddy. <laughs> All right, I'll give you one guess as to the artist that he's covered the most. You know what it is. Don't think too hard. Yeah, think, think of you making fun of me right now. Wow. <laughs> Think of yourself. Oh, Frank Sinatra. Fun. Yes. He has covered Frank Sinatra 696 times. Okay. Uh, he's, I was trying to think of like some obscure folk musician or something you've talked about. It well, you got some, we got some nice obscurities coming up. Um, he's okay. played traditional songs, which aren't written by anybody, except he right. always takes credit for them. 
um, when he puts them on records. Uh, 664 right. times, so not too far behind us. So actually less than Sinatra. I would have, I would less have than expected Sinatra. Traditional would have been first. Because Traditional is every other song, basically. Right, exactly. I would have expected that to be number one. I just Sinatra, that really is, Sinatra really is the overwhelming favorite. Because here comes, yeah, obviously. Here comes a guy I had never heard of. I had heard of one of his songs. Uh, this is a guy named Hambone Willie Newburn. The name? Oh man, we should make up some like. They called him Hambone. Down home country folk singer nicknames for ourselves. I don't think you have. <laughs> Can I be Hambone, please? <laughs> but that one's already taken. You can't be Hambone. I want to be Pea Soup. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> blind, blind Pea Soup Charlie. They're gonna make fun of you if you call yourself Pea Soup. <laughs> I just want you to know that. Uh... Because Pea Soup is gross, and for no other reason would they make fun of you. Uh, so handbone. They probably should meat. Meat is the preferred. You know, handbone, t-bone. You're right. Yeah, you got to go. There's meaty. all kinds of t-bones out there. You know, it's a t-bone like extravaganza. Mm-hmm. T-bone Burnett. He's not even old. T-bone Burnett. T-bone Walker. T-bone Walker. Uh, t-bone. T-bone. Chazzy Chaz. T-bone. <laughs> Chaz Chaz doesn't work. Jay. I don't want to be t-bone. I want to be some other kind of meat. Yeah, you got to go. Why don't you be like? Guy. Hey, you could be you could be the other white meat. <laughs> no, that's vanilla ice. <laughs> Come on, man. No, that's not vanilla ice. Who you're is that? Super, you're super white. What? <laughs> the other uh, other white meat known as Kid Funky Fly. Who is, what song is that? <laughs> I don't Who know. Who is that? I don't know. Vanilla vanilla T bone. Uh, candle box. Is that candle box? The roof. The roof. The roof is on fire. The roof is on fire. That was um. The other other white meat. That was not. That was not who you. That was the not the Pet Shop Boys. Uh, no, I'm about to talk about the Pet Shop Boys. Actually, <laughs> you are. Okay. Oh yeah. All right, I got to get through. Oh, this. Bloodhound Gang is Bloodhound Gang. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Um, okay, so Hambone uh, himself, not you, but the the real Hambone, he sang a song called "Rollin' and Tumblin," which Bob Dylan has covered probably almost all of those 245. I rollin' and tumblin'. He loves that song. A uh, a French musician named Yves Montreux, Montreux. Why? Oh yeah, I heard that guy. He he sang. He was a big he was a big deal. But he sang a song called La Vie en Rose, which I think is what Bob Dylan has called. Well, La Vie en Rose is more famous for the um, yeah Edith Piaf version. Okay, so he's covered these La Vie Edith Piaf Yves Montreux two hundred thirty seven times, and he's covered The Grateful Dead one hundred ninety three times. Yeah, I can see that. Okay, this is kind of an interesting question. This is my were, last... they, no, were the Grateful Dead part of, like, were they in the beginning of the uh, Never Ending Tour, or was that the pre-Never Ending Tour? That was pre, to the, the year before. Okay, all right. I knew it was close. So he's covered, and I don't even know what song he would have covered that many times by the Grateful Dead, but I didn't look that up. All right, here's my last, here's my last uh, shot for you, then you can do your point. Okay. Okay, so he's had various tours with other uh, musicians. Um, I'll give you the five, the top five, and okay, uh, you tell me who you think he's played the most with, and you may be surprised. Uh, Paul, okay. S- Paul Simon, Mark okay. Knopfler, Ron, okay. <laughs> our good friend Ron Wood, who we still don't know anything about, uh, Joan Baez, or Carlos Santana, who's he played the most shows with? Santana. Yeah, 96 shows he's done with Carlos wow. Santana. <laughs> Um, Paul Simon is 71, Mark Knopfler is... I would not have expected they played that many shows together either. I don't even know that I've ever heard of a tour they gone on together yet. No. I don't think it's come up in our, in our never-ending tour discussions yet. 
Um, it feels like it'd be a monster of a tour, you know? Yeah, especially maybe if it was in, one like, massive, the, Maybe it's just one massive leg together somewhere. Yeah, there, it, it could have been, shows. like, in the 2000s when Santana came back. Maybe it was something like that. In Spain or something. I don't know. Mark Knopfler, <laughs> 50, 50 shows with Mark Knopfler. Yeah. 20, 24 with Ron Wood. Uh, and 22 with Joan Baez. And that's during the never-ending tour. That's not, you know, they still... Great. Their love, their love lives, Chaz. I want you to know that. No, it does not. No, it does not. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> but she she still thinks it does. She's still pining okay. after him, I think. No, she's not. That's slander. I'm sorry, Joan. <laughs> Joan, I know you're listening. I apologize. Joan could do better and probably has. I don't know much about her. Oh, Joan but. could do so much. Anybody could do better, really. <laughs> I should make a list of the women that could have done better than Bob, than Bob Dylan, but almost, but <laughs> but almost married him. <laughs> but almost married him. Like, Mavis Staples is probably number one. She... She could oh, do I better. Oh, I've already. Yeah, she could do better. She could do better. Yeah, I can't wait. Good old Mavis. <laughs> All right, we ready for this? Yeah, hit me. Points. Points. Oh, he's got a few. Not he's, many, but a few. He's got some. Number one, his tour. His tour by all like uh, you know my my favorite Bowie book, The Complete David Bowie by Nicholas Pegg. Yeah, I think that's it. Sure. Uh, Shout he, out. He's obviously a fanboy for this tour. Like he, he loves it. He, he just, yeah, he loves it. He just makes it known. He thinks it's the best tour that uh, Bowie did since his 1976 tour. Okay, um, it's good. I listened. To, I found a whole show that was you know like professionally recorded and everything. So I watched, you know, watched slash listened to the whole thing. It was good. It was really good. It's good. I liked it. It's good. It's good. good. It's good. Is it good? So tell me if it's uh, good. Uh, the tour kind of extends over from 95 into 96. He's slightly more dates in 96, so we'll count it here. Um, so, yeah, I'm giving it a one for the tour. Fine. Next up, it's Bowie. So he had two, he, even though he did nothing, he had two singles this year. Oh, absolutely. Of course. <laughs> I mean, it's because it, one of them is leftover from outside, which is at least late in 95. Right. And one of them was, was before Earthling, which came up early 97. Oh, okay. So they're, they're well, going that, with the two of them. That makes sense anyway. So the first one released was, you know, from is the last single off of Outside, which is Hello Space Boy, Pet Shop Boys Remix. Yeah. So I couldn't believe it just came out with this. <laughs> so Awesome. That's crazy. Pet Shop Boy. Here's the thing. I had to, like, do a little research because Pet Shop Boys are one of those guys, like, I, I know them. And I started thinking I couldn't come up with a single song they mm-hmm. ever done. Mm-mm. But, like, they have, I could think of their sound, and I could think of, like, yes. they have an iconic stage presence of the two of them just standing there, you know? It's not... One the, of them on a keyboard, one of them singing or something? It's not The Roof is on Fire. <laughs> no, we threw that one we out. Got that, we, got that, we got that worked out real nice. <laughs> and they are the other white meat, not me. I'm just <laughs> confirming that it's Bloodhound Gang, not me. <laughs> and don't worry, oh I'm, going, I'm going with Ribeye. Blind, blind Ribeye back. Blind Ribeye. Oh, it's Blind Ribeye back, is it? <laughs> I had this like yeah, this vision of Pet Shop Boys that it turned out to be 100 percent correct. But like I listened to some of their biggest hits and none of them sounded familiar. Okay. So I don't I don't know why I know as much about the Pet Shop Boys as I seem. Man, to. they just seem to come up. I don't know. They just do it. They just they just again they just feel iconic. And maybe it's just that I've heard more people making fun of them than I've heard like seen them. Are they British? They're, they're British. Yeah. Okay, so they're probably a bigger um, deal over there. Would be my guess. I would assume, yeah, because they're huge. Like, I was going to their YouTube videos, and they yeah. all have, like, 60 million views and right. everything. Right, right. And their first big hit was West End Girls. Okay. Which, I know you're a Flight of the Concords fan. I am. As am I. If you remember the song, Inner City Pressure. Uh, Inner. no. Inner City. Oh, yeah. Inner City <laughs> <Yes>. Pressure. <laughs> Inner City Pressure. 
That is like a 100% parody of West End Girls. Got it. I got look it. at this going like, now I know it. I just thought for the cut, I thought it was just a general, you know, genre type. Yeah. Uh, parody on that one, you know. Because Pet Shop Boys have a certain sound. And they're very like, it's this very 80s synth pop, you know. Yeah. They sound like the Eurythmics a lot. Like, but the, the phrasing and everything of, of West End Girls is completely lifted for inner city pressure. Great. Like, really. Does, does Bowie get points for his single or what? I listened to so many facts of the never ending. I know, but you so liked many. it. I don't like this. So many. So <laughs> many. <laughs> don't lie, Jake. We both <laughs> I want to hear you s- I want to hear you sing some more. That'd, that'd be fine. Anyway. Hello, Space Boy. Uh, the Pet Shop Boys remixed the song from outside. Great. Um, I think the remix is inferior to the album version by a significant margin, which is too bad. They notably like throw in some of their own lyrics and mention Major Top. Okay. <laughs> like making connections to Major dropping, Tom through yeah. Space Boy. As if they had to uh, make that clear that they were both right. about space. And it ended up being a, pre- a pretty big hit. It's one of those bigger hits in the 90s. Oh. But, uh, I don't know, like watching them perform together, like both, they just, the Fish Boys just stand there. <laughs> they just stand there. That's their you know, thing. You one of them's got a keyboard and he's clicking, like, you know, going back and forth between two different buttons, doing who knows what in the mix that you can't even tell. Well, Bowie's up there, like, because there are multiple performances of him and just the Pet Shop Boys and none of the rest of his band. And so Bowie's, you know, up there, like, being a rock star, and these two guys are just standing in the back, clicking buttons, and one of them sings every once in a while. Backup vocals. Great. Anyway, I, it, I'm making it sound worse than this. It's an okay song. I just think it's better. I think it's a really good song on the album. All right. I'm giving it, I'm giving it a half point. What? You just said it was terrible. I know. I know it made, it, I, that's what I realized I was saying. I'm making it sound more negative than it was. The stage presence got you just kind of irritated me. All right, so... The song, uh, the song is decent. It's decent. It's it's good, but not great. I will let if it you... Was the, if it was the album cut, I would give it a, I'd give it a full star. I will let you give it a half point if you admit that this collaboration should have called been called Pet Shop Bowies. Well, obviously. Okay, fine. Then, I mean, in a go. couple years... In, in 98, he teamed up with Placebo and had the decency to call that Placebo-y. So oh, perfect. I don't know why they couldn't have done it on this one, you know? Yeah, I don't know. They should have. I mean, he's obviously not above that, or there would have been no placebo But there is. So, you know, there we go. The Pet Shop Bowies. The Pet Shop Bowies, obviously. Come on, guys. Um, next up was, and this is a, was an early track from Earthling called Telling Lies. Uh-huh. Um, I think Earthling is all around a really good album, and the song is good and solid, and I'm giving that one half a point, too. They didn't, didn't go anywhere and do anything. I didn't chart or anything, as far as I know. Great. But it's a good song. I'm going to have a point, too. Okay. And finally, his performance in performance in Basquiat, which I believe to be one of his best performances. Yeah. Um, with that said, he's not a very big role. Like he's right. not, you know. And so I'm giving that half point, as well. If he had a bigger role, it'd be a clear one point around that, too. All right. He's great, and he's really good. Okay, so, so what do we got here? Not too shabby. Two and a half. Two and a half. Two point five. All right. Well, we're both in the we're both in the positive, despite not doing much. Yeah. No, I didn't do much, but what he did was was worth was worth doing. Good job, guys. Hey, guys, great job. Great job. Real nice. So, job. next thirtieth anniversary, which will also be a diamond jubilee. All oh, anniversaries will from now on. Uh, yeah, unless we can find a different precious metal to call each one. <laughs> A platinum jubilee. But I'm not promising anything. <laughs> I'm promising to call it a diamond jubilee <laughs> yeah. every time. You're into that. I'm into that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, in honor of that, we're going to take a little break from our year by year look. These two guys, which take is a break. Almost, ha- almost halfway done. Crazy. We're there, yeah. 
Uh, instead, we're reviewing a top ten list of the two gentlemen's top ten rivals Ooh, in music. This is going to be meaty, real it's meaty. It's going to be meaty. It's going to be a soap opera style. Oh yeah, I know. So it's so dramatic. There's going to be so many frenemies and uh-huh. so much backstabbing. Yeah, and so many just talking to the tabloids. Yep. So many Mick Ronsons. Mick Ronson isn't even in my list, Jake. Yeah, I just want you to know that. Well, he's going to get he's going to get mentioned. I'm sure. Well, sure. In some capacity. In, all the time, all the time. Sweet Nick. There's something I don't know about your list, Jake. I just I got together my top ten list. I got to look at it, like learn more about them. But uh, I don't have some my, big names there, Jake. Some I don't have names. my top ten big, list big banged out yet. But the the candidates are all big names for me as well. Okay, I banged it out just because I mean I think I have eleven of them straight now. I banged it out to make sure that I was going to be able to come up with ten. But oh, yeah, me it, too. So. I think I think ten. Some of them may be minor rivals. Cause... So there's going to be jockeying for spots. I got to find some find out more about what happened with all. But you know, it's me. Well, be sure to be sure to call. Be, hot. be sure to call each one up if they're still alive and get their take on things. Oh yeah, I'm already, I'm already working on that. But you know, yeah, a lot of them are dead. Yeah, it's true. That's a bummer. I think Bo- I think Bowie killed them <laughs> with his bare hands. With his bare hands. <laughs> uh, he didn't. That's do why one of his stuff. eyes looked different. It was actually a laser eye. Ooh, lasers. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's uh, I think that's a great way to end this podcast. Hey everybody, will you follow us on Twitter or Facebook if you like to? Uh-huh. And uh, we've got some unboxing videos and stuff on YouTube. Yep. So check that out too. Do it. And rate us on iTunes and uh-huh. Apple Podcasts in particular. Yep. Give us, I mean, good ratings. Don't give us bad ones. If you're gonna give us bad ones, then just don't bother. And it's also, don't even, don't even worry about it. If somebody sends us an email, especially if your name is Mick, we will shout you out on this podcast. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding. If you like the show, tell your friends. If you don't, tell your enemies. We're not too big for our britches here at Bowie vs. Dylan. <laughs> not yet, anyway. Uh, all right, well, I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. Uh, we bid you adieu. <laughs> Goodbye.